0: From the Red and Black, this is The Front Page. Today is Monday, February 15th, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss this month's paper theme on gender and sexuality and a featured story on women coaches at Georgia. And joining me on this episode today is Editor-in-Chief Sherry Leong and Managing Editor William Newland to discuss the February paper theme on gender and sexuality. This paper's issue will be available on Thursday, February 18th sherry william thanks so much for hopping on the show with me today thanks for having us happy to be here so to get us started can you guys talk to me a little bit about this paper's theme and how the red and black decided on gender and sexuality as the topic
1: the idea this semester is we wanted to focus on a few big picture issues for our special issue paper editions. We used to do weekly papers, but with COVID, that's not exactly plausible. So we've been focusing our energy on online production, but also these big picture topics for our monthly issues. In January, we focused on the desegregation anniversary at UGA. And so we were thinking about some topics that we haven't really covered And It's very fitting that the sports editors are coming on this issue because that's kind of where the inspiration behind gender and sexuality came from. It's not a topic that we've necessarily covered a lot in the sports world Um, and even in culture and news. There's obviously room for Coverage there. Some of our topics include looking at HIV and how it disproportionately affects the LGBTQ plus community, identity as a queer journalist. All of these topics are things that we are hoping to delve deeper into, given the space of the print issue, but also kind of instigating conversations among our staff as well. Um, so that's kind of where. This idea stemmed from and on a larger note this is definitely not beginning or the end of this coverage we really wanted this to be a starting point to start a conversation with our staff there are plenty of stories that are not going to make it in this paper issue because we're kind of confined by the eight page limit um 16 pages with special publications but they've got their own topic and we just have been encouraging writers and editors to think about these topics that maybe they wouldn't normally have thought about if we didn't have a print issue in the works
2: yeah we're, we're really using these special issues To deal with like sherry said important topical issues and you know gender and sexuality have really deservingly been i think you know in our collective conversations for a while so it definitely checks those boxes it's not as obvious of a theme it doesn't present itself as obvious as like the 60th anniversary of desegregation for last month but yeah still really important issue just an interesting area that we want to explore more with our paper
0: so why is it important for the red and black to cover these types of stories in the uga and athens community
2: well, you know, I think it's really important to highlight people and organizations in Athens who maybe aren't typically reflected in the stories local outlets do, and that maybe we don't cover enough. I think the Red and Black does a great job reporting on issues orbiting gender and sexuality, but, you know, like with our last paper focusing on UJS segregation. You know, it's a way to point out the disparities still present in the in the university and in Athens. And, you know, people have to talk about gender gaps in, in sports, for example, or the prejudice faced by different groups if our communities are going to become more equitable. So, you know, these, these issues and looking at these topics are really important to help our writers, but hopefully also our readers, you know, keep these topics and conversations going.
1: And the idea behind the paper as well is that now that they're monthly, they kind of sit on stands for an entire month before switching to the next issue. So these are really in-depth evergreen. By evergreen, we kind of mean they're timely whenever you look at them. Um, And it's it's really meant to kind of plant a seed in our coverage. And like William said, also for our audience to understand that we are looking out for these topics, these communities, and we're always looking for new angles to take with them.
0: Assistant sports editors Drew Hubbard and Sydney Cohn have a featured story in this month's paper issue that discusses the lack of women coaches at Georgia. Drew, talk with me a little bit about the overall idea of this story.
3: So the story is about, like you said, the lack of women coaches at Georgia, specifically about the lack of women coaching women's teams there are 11 women's teams at georgia and out of those 11 only four of them are head coaches lou harris chamber of softball megan bonig of equestrian joni taylor of women's basketball and courtney kubitz carter of gymnastics are the only four head coaches of women's teams so we just want to write the story talking about that on a national scale sec scale and just about players perspectives as women athletes play under male coaches and vice versa
0: in this story, Drew, you talked to Nicole Lavoie, the director of the Tucker Center for Research on Women and Girls in Sport at Minnesota. What was her perspective on the lack of women representation within college sports staffing?
3: Yeah, so one thing Nicole was talking about was the lack of women in athletic director positions. Currently out of Power 5 schools, there are only five universities that have women athletic directors. Vanderbilt, Penn State, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Virginia are the only five out of the Power 5 conferences. And Vanderbilt became the first SEC school to have a woman as an athletic director. Um, they hired their athletic director in May of 2020, I believe. But she also mentioned an interesting thing about that is while it's one solution there's still some issues with it because she found that when she was observing the hiring practices of those women athletic directors they were very hesitant to hire women head coaches because she talks about how if a woman athletic director hired a bunch of women head coaches she'd be under a lot of scrutiny and surveillance from fans and just from boards and um, donors that spend a lot of money to the school so she talked about how while that's one solution there's still some issues with it because of potential surveillance that those athletic directors would be under if they hired a lot of women as head coaches.
0: Jean Merrill is the Director of Inclusion at the NCAA and explains how the NCAA can implement programs, but they are not responsible for the institution's hirings. That's ultimately something that is entirely and exclusively the decision of every individual institution and their human resources and their hiring practices and state regulations so we do not have any role in the actual hiring practices but what we do is continue to platform these initiatives while the numbers speak for themselves for female versus male coaches at georgia student athletes and coaches remain divided on the how and why this may be the case here's sydney to talk a little bit about her role with the story
4: Yeah, so I kind of tackled the part about the perspectives of the, you know, people involved, the coaches and the players involved in this and how it, you know, directly affects them and the why and how about why there are so few women coaches and everything else. I talked to Suzanne Yoculin-Lieburn, her tenure at Georgia Gymnastics and, you know, all the success that she had and her big thing was It is so pressing and it's so demanding that you're basically like a CEO. And that's why there's not as many women is because the stress is so much. And then you have family and then you have pay iniquity, which makes it even less incentive to work up to these things because you're like, I'm doing all this work and I'm not getting paid the same amount of men as the men are. And then if I have a family, I've just spent all my time with them, which goes into the point that I think Lavoie said about all the different parts that affect that. All the different pressures that come along with being successful and like wanting to be a female coach just narrows down the amount of women that will do it and that are qualified to the point where you get the number that you have now, the really small number. And like I said, she doesn't think it has anything to do with more representation at higher levels, like with ADs, you know, women hiring women, maybe not all women are up to the task. They don't always have the support. She said, the reason I had so much support was because my parents came down to take care of my kids when I couldn't. And that's what Courtney's parents are doing now. Because her husband has a full-time job too as a pilot. It's tough, (laughs) which is the point, I guess. And then I talked to Emery Wagner, who's the goalkeeper for Georgia soccer. My main thing for her was, would you rather play for a woman or a man? And you know, what's your perspective from each? Because she played at a really successful high school. Their girls' soccer team was always winning championships. And they were coached by a woman. And that was the only female head coach that she'd ever had. And she said the connection that you can have with a female head coach, women being coached by women is just like a, a whole different ball game and you're able to build a more emotional connection she said she could always go to her coach about anything in ways that she never thought that she could with men she said billy the head coach at georgia you know he's great but like sometimes you want to go talk to a woman which she has also seen with their their specific goalkeeping coach coach ely so she said that's had a big impact on her being led and being influenced by powerful women coaches that she's had Althea Thomas, she's a track coach and she coaches men's and women's relays, hurdles and sprints. And she's coaching a really successful bunch of men right now. And she spoke on the emotional aspect. I'm able to be tough on them, but I'm also able to be like an auntie or a mother as well, but they know that I'm going to be tough on them and I'm going to hold them accountable. And then the doubts and kind of the bias that she's seen from men in her field, other track coaches about the fact that she's a woman. And if men respond to her coaching them, whatever else and kind of just like the idea that she can do the job as well as a man can i think this goes to show that like women and men respond to having female coaches well there's just unfortunately not that many because it is so demanding it's kind of a twofold process that you already have a very small pool of women that you know make it into the coaching arena want to go into coaching And, you know, deal with the pay iniquity, deal with the familial stress that it puts on their lives. But when it happens, it pays off as expressed by our track team and then the gymnastics program and everything else.
0: However different their viewpoints of the matter, the underlining theme remains the same.
4: You know, a woman can do a man's job and do it just as well or even better. Even though there's a low number of female coaches in the SEC and in its history, you do have really great names like Suzanne Yachlan-Lieburn in Georgia Gymnastics, leading them to so many championships. Pat Summit coaching the Lady Vols women's basketball team to numerous championships as well there and being one of the most winningest coaches in history there. And then also, of course, Becky Burley founding the Georgia women's soccer team and then leading them to a national championship within just a few years of the program being founded so you have really great examples of female coaches in the sec still
0: sherry and william what conversations do you hope this paper will help start both on and off the campus at georgia well
1: segueing back into what they were saying i think something that had come up is like we had never talked about the fact that there are only four women head coaches at georgia that is an insane number That is like a conversation we are just now having in our staff and something like we don't see every day on social media. Other things that could come out of this special issue topic is like, do we have any transgender athletes? I don't know that answer and like that's something we would have to look into as well. So again, it's like a constant work in progress. We are asking these questions when we're pitching these stories. And so by asking those questions among us, we're hoping the community around us are also asking questions and we can report on those as well.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, just generally... You know, I think it's so important to be thinking critically about current, like the discourse around topics like uh, gender and sexuality and, and to think about the structures that perpetuate stereotypes around those themes. You know, how, how are people being held back? How are people being affirmed or uplifted? And, you know, who's responsible for that? So yeah, you definitely see that in Drew and Sydney's story on Women Head Coach, right? It, it just, it points out a serious disparity that we hadn't thought about, like Sherry said, and that you wouldn't think existed in 2021. So, you know, you still feel like a, a reticence, like writ large to talk about, you know, the spectrum of identities at, at UGA and in Athens. So what's great about this paper is that it gives these really in-depth, more personal looks. So we're just really excited to, to put it together.
0: Well, awesome. Sherry and William, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking about the importance of this month's paper issue.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having us. I, I love talking about this.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us, and I hope everyone enjoys the paper. And Drew and Sydney, thanks for discussing your story on the lack of women coaches at Georgia.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And that was The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. This episode was co produced by William Newland, Sherry Leong, Drew Hubbard, Sydney Cohn, and myself, Sarah Detweiler. The Front Page is sponsored by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership. Thanks for listening, and remember to grab a copy of this month's paper issue on Thursday, February 18th. We hope you tune in next time.